Welcome everybody, I'm Jared, he's DJ, and this is Number One Bullshit. Did you see, first of all, the brawl that broke out? Yeah, in yeah. The, Did you see what Dana White said? Yeah. I mean... Yeah, he was like, yeah, there was no security, like they weren't, they just let the fight end. Yeah, what are they, I mean, what is he supposed to do? Yeah. You know, like, like that's, that wasn't the cheap seats either. Like normally, you see that like way up high. If they like, let it go on for too long, seats. but I mean, what are you supposed to do? That's not my job as the UFC to stop the fights. It's your job. The NFL oh, doesn't stop fights in their fan in their stands. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like, what, why did the venue not? You they were hyped have up, man. Security. They haven't had a UFC since what 2019. Uh, Manuel Torres is like, guys, stop. Yeah, please. <laughs> After I just destroyed this human being in three minutes, I don't want you guys to fight. Yeah. Ooh. Speaking yeah. of fights. <laughs> yeah, fun fun card. Yeah, it was a really fun good card. card. I always love to see the short kings and queens. I guess No doubt. I guess the women are They're always all. the short queens. Yeah, unless like, it's Megan Anderson. Yeah, I like, yeah. I like to see short kings get highlighted, so this was fun. Would they say six flyaway fights? Uh, I just know there was nothing over... Uh, lightweight, which I was very happy when about. You, when see. you told me that, it was hilarious to be like, we're not taking the chance. It's 7,000 feet above yeah. sea level. We're not. Yeah, and even then, you had some some of the light dudes gas out a little bit. We'll, yeah. talk, we'll talk about one of them. Yeah. yeah. Before we go into that, I do uh, want to bring up that, you know, we've talked about this before. We are always going to want to try to get better at what we do. And one of the things DJ and I have both noticed is uh, as we look at the length of the episodes, they're starting to get a little long a little girthy. Uh, and yeah, a little girthy. <laughs> uh, and we, we don't want to get rid of content because we we're enjoying what we're doing. So what we've decided to do is we're going to start splitting these episodes up. We will have the reviews. So I was talking about the fights that just happened dropping on Mondays, like usual. And then we are going to have the preview portion dropping on Wednesday. So there might be some weeks where there's no Monday episode and there's a Wednesday episode and vice versa. Uh, but we will be chopping that up so that way you guys are getting, you know, 45 minute to an hour episodes instead of hour 45 to two hours. Uh, you're welcome. So in your words, they're going to get a couple of sprints instead of some, like a little marathon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And And all the more reason. To go to your podcast listening service of choice, hit that like, subscribe, follow, so that way you know when the episodes are dropping, because you don't want to forget and then be like, oh shit, there's all these episodes, I didn't know that they were dropping. Just now follow. You, now you know. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. So can I just start off by saying I completely underestimated Ortega? Was that yeah, all right there like, with you. Like, I really, right I really thought Rodriguez was going to, and he did really well. Ortega did exactly what we said. He just gets hit too much. Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's like Yair was terrified to do anything off his back when Ortega got mm -hmm. on top or yeah. or to be fair Ortega's just that good that you can't which I felt like he didn't try but it also could be when he, when he locked in that choke man oh my god mm -hmm. it was slick it was one of those like I'm watching high level jujitsu in person I mean at live right yeah oh yeah and the uh, I think it's um, I've been cursing people because it was the exact same thing Sean Strickland Adesanya was like, I just don't know what his path to victory is. <laughs> yeah. And like, same thing for Brian Ortega. And in both instances, they just did what they do. Yeah. <laughs> and, and can you, can you not know my path to winning the lottery or something? <laughs> <Do you mind? laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. To, to prosperity. Yeah. Uh, 
Great fight, yeah, though. Great fight. It could not have gone worse for Ortega even before the fight oh. when he's jumping up and down and rolling his ankle. Like, oh, what shit, kind of guys. mind fuck is that to be like, now I have to go out? And and really, his first round was his worst round, right? So, mm, like, so yeah. like maybe a combination of Yair starting really strong and like pushing the pace, but also the mental fuck of like, can I even move my ankle? That's and then to win, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, the fact that. He does that before the fight starts. And then he goes out there and gets freaking cracked hard. Oh, my God. And and then takes like 84 knees to the body. Yep. And then eats a kick to the body. And I mean, good, good on him. Good poker face. But like poker face, not poker body, because like he started wilting a oh, little yeah. bit there. Um, and then when he hit the ground, that first shot that Yair threw landed so clean. Yep. Bounced Ortega's head off the ground. I mean, it was like, oh, shit, this fight's about to be over. Oh, I, I definitely was like, damn, I didn't think Yair was going to beat him in the first round. I mean, this is what I'm thinking mm -hmm. watching the fight. And But Dom knew something that we didn't. Dom was just like, he's in it, guys. He's in it. Like, trust me, mm -hmm. he's tough. It's like he he just knows something. I'm, obviously, he's very – I love Dom's mind. And, you know, he does his work. Uh, he does mm -hmm. the, the research. But, man – Ortega coming out that second round, and then the third round they both looking beat up. Uh, mm -hmm. But as soon as as soon as Ortega got on top of him, it's like Yair almost gave into the idea like this is going to happen for the next. What is the second round for the next four rounds? Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, when that elbow and like I get it, you know maybe there was an adrenaline dump because Yair thought he was getting the finish, got the elbow, cut him open, and it was like okay, like great rebound round for Ortega. Yep, in the second. But then going into the third, the fact that it was plus money on Ortega, I was like, oh, that's ambitious. Or, plus, yeah, sorry, plus money um, on Yair. So on that, Yair, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's like, I that blew my mind that, like, they think Ortega's going to win this just based on, like, what we had seen. Like, let's not forget the first round. Yeah. He just, you, you know, like, Yair hurt him badly on the feet, it, you know, did very well from the top. Like, he just wasn't there. Um, you know, he got taken down in the second and, and wasn't doing anything off his back. And then I looked like an asshole because well, sure enough, he just goes out there and finishes Well, you it. didn't because I didn't think momentum switched that much. Like, I, yeah, it was clear. First of all, your boy Mike Bell is wild, right? First round, first round, he gave Yair a 10-8. Second round, I, he gave Ortega a 10-8. <laughs> I, I get the 10-8 to Yair round For one. Brian that Ortega? Was very close to the finish. No, round two. I do not understand that at all. <laughs> at all. Uh, yeah, like, hey, damn you, Mike Bell. Stop. <laughs> yeah. Stop. Hey, you, he he know he listens to the podcast and he misses you saying it. Uh, oh man, wild. It's 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 real interesting because implications. The implications for mm -hmm. Ortega winning this, right? Because Yair was really kind of marketing himself to get his next fight. Like, all I have to do is beat Ortega, and I'm like, fuck, fuck Ilya. You know, he's doing all this stuff, which was really out of character. Even he admitted it. So something's going on with him. But now you're like, fuck, dude, you lost to Ortega. And do you really think Ortega's going to get the next title shot? I I don't. I don't. I mean, if I'm him, I'm making the, the push for sure. Absolutely. Like, yes. Uh, but... You can't get hit like that by Taporia. Not and and Taporia is not like a slouch on the ground. I know we talk about his power and yeah. stuff, but the dude choked out Bryce Mitchell. There's there's something to be said about that. But me, you and yeah. I had a 
out, out, off the podcast conversation about Ivoyev getting a shot. And I'm like, man, it's just not going to happen. This was the perfect way for things to happen for Ivoyev <laughs> to get a shot, right? Like, it's just, you called it. Yeah, I think it's going to depend on the time frame for Taporia. Yeah. Because if he's and willing Volk. to wait out a clear-cut number one, yeah. What's going to happen with Volk? Did they give him the immediate rematch? You know, we talked about it last week. Go listen to last week's episode if you haven't already. Uh, you know what's going to happen there. But if he's gonna, if Tapuria is gonna wait, then there's time for Ivloyev, Ortega, number one contender. Like, let's do it. And I know Ortega get is like repeatedly getting fast tracked, mm-hmm. but I don't know how a win over Yair how you can then give him another title shot. His last title shot came off of just one win. Yep. And it didn't look good. Like, uh, I think that it, as of now, the way the division has played out, if you take Volk out of it just with him, you know, hopefully recovering, I think Evloyev is the next guy. Maybe Max, but who knows what, what that's going to look like after, you know, he fights for the only belt that matters. I'm yeah. sure he doesn't even want the featherweight belt yeah. at that point. But yeah, I think Ortega, Evloyev for number one contender is awesome. And it was, it was interesting. I think. I know I personally was kind of taking for granted because we hear it too much of the, well, it's a rebirth. This is me 2.0, you know, yep. and all that kind of bullshit. But then to see Ortega, I mean, fighting wise, it was that that's what Ortega does, right? Like he, he didn't look like a different fighter, but the stuff where immediately running out of the cage to go see his kids, like bringing his kids on stage during the press conference to square off with Yair, like that that's not the Ortega that we've seen before, you know? And so uh, we talk about all the time being dads. Like it's awesome to see, you know, a father be able to share those moments with their kids. So I absolutely love that. I do always want to highlight that whenever we see it, because, you know, these are people that step into a cage in their underwear and get into fistfights for a living. Do the man dance. Yeah, do the man dance for a living. Thank you, thank you. I'm slipping over here. Uh, but they are, you know, they're, they're dads, yeah. you know, their husbands and all that out, outside of the cage. So do love to see it. Also love to see it from a man, Raw Dog, uh, the way he came back, the way that that fight before the fight started, this is the second time we're talking about before a fight started, the walkouts for that fight were interesting. Roy Val was so emotional, it looked like he was fighting back tears just walking to the cage. Yeah. Just, and then Moreno came out barefoot. Yeah, I mean, he's, 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 even his, like, fighting style, like, the way he holds his mouth, his jaw, it's just like, and the way he was, like, kind of skipping and shit, yeah, it's fucking, it's fucking weird. It's, it's, he wasn't skipping. He was doing the hardcore two-step. There you go. Yes, he walking was. back and forth. Yes, he was. I was like, oh, shit. Thank you for the correction. Uh, yeah, my, my man listens to, like, anti-flag and or black flag and fucking yeah he's wild so want to pose the question to you uh which brandon do you think won so i thought brandon won the first two and then the other no i i really was shocked especially going to the fifth round they go to moreno's corner and his corner saying you have the cardio for this which means they see him slowing down which he did Mm -hmm. absolutely and roy val doesn't slow down even though he's not landing you know all the strikes whatever but he slowed down. I just felt like Moreno did enough. But looking at kind of the judges' scorecards, which is just all over the place. Mm-hmm. Shock. Like, 
did they all three agree on any rounds? I don't think they all three agreed on one round, except for the fourth, which was fourth, clearly round Roy, four. Roy, Roy Val. Roy I mean, Val. I thought I thought Moreno won one and two. I thought Roy Val won three and four. As I remember it, I'd have to rewatch <laughs> it. And I really thought Moreno did enough to win. Oh, fourth and fifth. I really thought Moreno uh, did enough to win the fifth. And all three <laughs> judges saw it that way as well. I thought Moreno did enough to take it, but that's slowing down. We've seen a couple times now. We've seen it yes. like we saw it with Pantoja, saw it with Rival. It's very. This is another one that I was like, I think Moreno's got. I thought Yair was going to win for sure, and I thought Moreno's going to win for sure, and I was wrong on both, which mm-hmm. is the best thing about the sport. You know, it's, yeah, it's awesome. it's awesome. But do you agree with the winner of that fight as the judges saw it? I do. Okay. But I don't know if it's recency bias. And by that, I just mean recency of in the fight because I thought Roy Val fought better later. Yep. Despite the judges, you know, all three given round five to Moreno, I thought there was a turning point in round two. And maybe not even like a specific point, but it looked like Roy Val was really uncomfortable round one. Yep. Probably broke his foot on one of those kicks and he like kept trying to like shake it out. He looked, and you could tell with how emotional he was getting into the cage. Like It seemed like it was a very big moment for him, Correct. and he didn't rise to it in round one. But just at some point in round two, I don't know, I think it might have been after he got clipped pretty good yeah. by Moreno oh, yeah. early in the round. And then it was just like he woke up, and just slowly the tide started turning in his favor. I was, I was writing my notes as it was going on. I was like, man, he's really starting to find his rhythm here late in round two. And then he fucking throws up the go-go. Yeah. My, my man yeah. almost hit the go-go. Yeah. Um, and so that, like, right there, it was like, oh, this is shifting. Round three was really close, but there was, it. I don't know if it was feeling the momentum of the end of round two, but I was like, oh, Roy Val has this. I, and I then round that- four... I was like, oh, he's fading. Like Moreno is yep. fading. It, just like you said it. Just like the Pantoja fight. Like this is the second fight in a row now where we've seen Moreno start to fade. And he's somebody who has done very well. He's fought five round fights for and, so, and so for so long. He's been training for them. He's fought yeah. them. Uh, it's, it's criminal they didn't give Roy Val a sub attempt on his stats. It's criminal. Oh, you're so yeah. It's criminal. Like I'm, I'm just seeing that at. now, and I'm like, why don't they give him one sub attempt? If it's clear that like that was him catching something, and then re- even yeah. referencing that's a Nick Diaz thing, I don't, I don't get that. But I had kind of a different take. I'm not mad at the winner. I just, I when mm-hmm. they were announcing it, I was like, okay, it's got to be Moreno. Yeah, uh, I think that Moreno did enough in the second round to win. I mean, if you look at stats, of course he did it. I think what I think what won Roy Val this fight is his volume. Because mm-hmm. he didn't land as much as um, Moreno, and he also didn't land percentage-wise as much. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's uh, which which here's the thing, Moreno uh, Dom called it out early. It's like he's just waiting to counter. When you're waiting to counter, the other person looks like they're doing better. So it's a style choice that you're making. But I just in my mind, you know, you just kind of play the I'm scoring these rounds as I go. I just thought. Mm-hmm. Moreno one and two, Roy Val three and four, Moreno five. But I mean, for Roy Val, you can't just give him. You can't just give him Pantoja. No, so you got to give him Albazi, so. right? I don't know how long Albazi's out for. That's the thing. If Albazi can fight in the next four or five months, yes. But if Albazi can't fight for a year, 
you know, we got to do something else. I think the possibly the winner of this uh, fight coming up this week okay. with Mohamed Mukhaev and, and Alex Perez, or if Mono Cop and Kaikar France ever fight, the winner of that. I know that uh, Roy Val's already beaten Kaikar France, but there, I mean, Kaikar France looked good against him and, and Roy Val caught him in the chaos. So I, I think any of those would, would be interesting. Uh, and I, what, what is criminal, and I want to apologize to our listeners throughout this whole time, we have not talked about the assassin baby. baby. <laughs> yeah. We, we totally screwed it up last week. Didn't, I mean, the best nickname matchup, I think, uh, in a while oh, that yes. we've had. And, and we just didn't even like forgot to mention raw dog and then came back to it. And meanwhile, the assassin baby is sitting there like, Hey guys, <laughs> what about me, baby? Uh, so, uh, but I, to go back to the fight, a couple things that, that I found very interesting. One was Herb Dean being quick with the trigger. Hated the it. second that shit hit the fence, he was like, all right, let's work. And like, they both guys are working. Both guys are currently working. And uh, like Roy Val thanked him after he broke it up the first time. Uh, like, I, thanks. You I, could I, hear him say it. I think I found it very bizarre too because it's not like this was a an event of just decisions, right? There was finishes, so it's not like you're itching for like we just need one thing to be exciting for this crowd. The fight was great; it's high paced. I mean, these two dudes are fucking crazy high paced. Yeah, but he did it multiple times where it's just like you got to work, and it's like, dude, I, you're changing, you're changing the fight for whatever fighter. Not as egregious mm -hmm. as, you know, the guy grabbing the cage earlier in the, in the Yeah, night, honey Barcelos. Yeah, but I, I found that very bizarre because I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen Herb Dean like be so quick to pull the trigger. It was almost like he had a bad taste in his mouth from the first round where there was, you know, shades of Rose Nama Yunus, uh Carlos Barza too going on with like that first round just being very slow. I mean he few minutes in engage you guys got to engage come on and yeah it was it was interesting i, I don't to me that clearly played to roy val's advantage the reason i thought roy val won round five actually was even though they weren't big shots like every time it got separated he's throwing in combination and he's landing you know one and a half one and three quarters for every one that moreno lands and so i just i think i think that did a disservice to Moreno. I mean, obviously, it didn't matter with all three judges yeah. giving Moreno round five. Uh, but watching the fight, I was like, oh, this really plays into the hands of the guy who's firing 100 shots around. Yeah, I mean, but good on good on, excuse me, Rory Val, because he stayed so active that mm -hmm. and, and they really should. I, I, I just don't like the the first round, but it didn't feel slow. I always give the first round to be like, for these high level, and the, this is a fight of consequence. Mm -hmm. They're filling each other out. They're 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 gonna engage. They're go at some point in this five rounds. They're gonna engage. Why rush it? And now, if it's in the second round and it's slow, okay, guys, I need you guys to do something. Give it that opportunity. I don't know, but I, I don't. I don't necessarily think Herb Dean doing that at the first round changed too much of the fight. I I don't feel that way. I think the fight would have played out just the same. I think the cage thing makes a difference, but yeah, I don't know if I don't know if it wins Moreno the fight. It was just weird to see for Herb Dean to do. Yeah, that that quickly, but we've been seeing it more and more. Like Mark Smith does it a lot now too. Um, I actually saw 
it was interesting because Herb Dean was doing that in one championship in Demetrius Johnson's fight, uh, his most recent fight over there, where he was like, hey, let's go, and like was breaking up off the cage in like eight seconds. And but you know, you don't know what they're being told over there yeah. as far as like, hey, you know, first sign of booze, we're getting it off yeah, the cage. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, just yeah. don't know. Uh but then to see that kind of transfer over into the UFC, I'm I'm not a fan of that. It's on if some guy gets held on the fence for five minutes, yeah, that sucks for the fans to watch. But hey, guess what? It's not it's not his fault that the other guy can't do anything and is just being big brothered, right? Like I am <laughs> I am one hundred I I'm I'm being dead honest. It might not be good for our podcast <laughs> listeners. It might not be good for me to watch as far as entertainment, but I if someone is getting held down and they just get held down for five rounds, I'd rather see that than the interjection where it's like, we just want you to be active. Why? This is this person's going to hit me hard. I don't want to. I yeah. want to hold him against the cage, and he's not doing anything to stop me. I'm going to do this, and I should win. I don't know. But whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. But it was, it was also kind of a weird night period, like first fight. Boom, torn MCL, oh stepping back into the cage. Really unfortunate. You could see it pop. And then when the, you know, when he went for the takedown and guys just started screaming, I was like, no, <laughs> like, all right, let's stop this fight. Um, and then we saw weird judging too. Like that, uh, I mean, I was really looking forward to seeing Dos Santos yeah, and, and what he looked like after what he did to, to Mono Cop and their fight. I didn't think he won that fight though. I thought Victor Altamirano did. I thought Altamirano got round one and two. I thought round three was clearly Dos Santos. I wonder if it's one of those things where Altamirano's style is kind of so funky and so like he's off balance a lot. If that, you know, if they thought he was more hurt than he was, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Cause you look at him post fight, he, he wasn't marked up. So if you're talking about damage, there really wasn't Correct. a lot of damage being done. But I think, yeah, like I, I mean, I don't know. What were you thinking? Altamirano won or does? Yeah, I, I'm looking at the judge scorecards. I don't think he won round three at all. Some one judge gave Altamirano <laughs> all three rounds. I don't know, but I, I kind of felt the same way because I was so hyped up for Felipe Dos Santos. Like I was almost just like hoping that he won, just because he was so impressive in his Monel Cop mm-hmm. fight. But I'm watching it. And I'm like, God, this guy. I mean, the 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 guy side kicked him down, right? Like it's like, yeah. okay, he's just winning this fight, and it's fine. Yeah, I I don't I I remember thinking Dos Santos lost, mm-hmm. but now that I'm trying to recall the second round, I don't exactly remember how the second because then then the second round end with him like threatening a submission. Dos Santos just threatening a submission. I I believe so. I believe he took over like kind of end of at round the end of the round. And it's like, but I I don't remember thinking he stole the round. Yeah. So I mean, good win for him, but you know this is—he he's got some growing to do. Young kid. Oh yeah, yeah. and he was exhausted. You oh, know, and yeah. that's like we're not used to seeing flyweights get altitude tired like has that. to be put into consideration. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And then and since that was the second fight of the night, I was thinking like, oh man, the little guys are going to tire out oh, too. Yeah. No, <laughs> but this is to me, this is the epitome of styles make fights. Mm-hmm. Because he goes in there against uh, a guy who's been an alternate for a world title, who has had a world title in another organization, and puts on a, a very competitive performance against him, and then arguably loses this one, yeah. just based on the you know the grappling and and so 
always interesting. That's why MMA math really does not work because I think Monel Cop beats Victor Altamirano pretty convincingly. Yeah. But I think Victor Altamirano beat beat Dos Santos, you know. Yeah, and I mean Dos Santos is twenty three, so it's still young. But yeah. it's he's I mean, he's in a great camp. When you have when you have shoot to box and Charles Oliveira, but I I think he just has to I think three, four, five years from now, it's like you you might be a killer. He just has to get there. <laughs> yeah, and, and you hope in instances like this, it's like, all right, luckily you're not getting the L on your record for this one. Correct. But there's a lot to learn from. Use that as as the learning experience because there weren't really consequences to it. I agree. You know, don't be happy that, oh, I got the win, everything's fine. Um, and then, so we had one shoot-the-box fighter get the benefit of the doubt with the judges and another one not with uh, <laughs> Mateusz Mendonce uh, against Jesus Aguilar. I, I don't, once again, didn't, don't see that. I do not see Aguilar winning in what they gave him. One judge gave a, oh no, it was two. Yeah, gotcha. It was two for Aguilar um, and they all agreed round three went for Mendonce. I just... I don't know. I, I thought Mendonce did more than Aguilar. I'd have to go back and rewatch it. Weird. I thought it was that was a that was one where my notes literally were like, "What kind of decision was that?" And I, I agree. And I think some of it. I don't know that fight. That was the first fight of the night that I was like, "Okay, my attention started like to get away a little mm-hmm. bit." So maybe. Maybe it's just one of those weird, like I don't know. Yeah, that fight. I don't. I don't disagree with what you're saying at all. But I'd really have to go back and be like, okay, let me let me focus up and see what I really see because I can look at the stats right now and be like, okay, yeah. you know, I get it. But I don't know that I mean, that the, I was so excited about this card having flyweights and you know yeah. the, the, the the tiny tiny dudes. Um, <laughs> and there was still action in it, but it wasn't. I honestly don't remember any of them convincingly being like, okay, this person for sure won, but I do feel, I don't know. This, this is a weird one. Yeah, I just, I thought Mendonce, like, first of all, not a fan of the stand-up. I mean, Mendonce is in an advantageous position. It's not like he was just trapped in his guard. Correct. Like, he had a, a good position on him. Position. They, yeah, good position. <laughs> and they stand it up. Like, what? Why? Why would you do that? Just, and, you know, it sucks for Mendonce that now he, you know, another loss in the UFC. I think he's 0-3 Oof. in the UFC now. Uh, but I don't think he's that, he's much better than that. I, I think that this is a win that he should have got. And especially with him at flyweight, as long as he's not going to gas out, which it doesn't look like he's going to, yeah. he's going to he's gonna be huge at flyweight. Yeah. He looked big and granted like Aguilar has the shortest reach of any man in the UFC. Does he really? But yeah, he's yeah, it's not the T-Rex. Yeah, like he's I think he's like five three or five four, and then his reach is shorter than his height. Oh, wow. He's got like a yeah, like a five two reach or something. Um but Mendolts yeah, for somebody cutting down to flyweight for the first time was didn't look like it was a an issue for him. So uh still interested to see him in his next fight a guy that i want to see fight every week he showed some really interesting stuff and not just a very interesting mouth guard uh, was my man ronaldo rodriguez 
he showed some things in that fight against Dennis Bonder that were impressive for somebody as young as he is. I think he's what, 24 years old, I believe. Um, but what he did with, first of all, chin, because Bondar was cracking him. Damn, with, I mean, dude. elbows, overhand rights, that, but then also not only getting cracked and like sticking his tongue out like, hey, I don't care. You hit like a sissy, but then being calm in the chaos. Yeah. I mean, anytime there was a scramble, anytime there was something crazy going on, just relaxed. I mean, for a guy who's that young, and I know he has I mean, 18 professional fights at 24, and they said he had some wild amount of amateur fights as well. Uh, but then good scrambling, calm, moment never seemed too big for him, and just going till the end. I mean, we saw it. He got the tap with two seconds left in the fight. And, and I'll say this. When he got that elbow and then, like, kind of um, – just kind of stuck his tongue out. I was like, okay, mm-hmm. well, he's hurt, and this is bad for him. And, and to your to your point, he wasn't. He like that was him being like, yeah, you got me, but I'm good. And then let me show you because I think I think after that, Bondar took him down. Correct. So mm-hmm. like he was like, oh shit. I think they even said it on the broadcast. It's like, well, if, when you elbow someone and they just stand there, take him down. Mm-hmm. And then for him to be like, no, fuck that. Yeah. And the and the submission, I was thinking. The way uh, Bondar's neck was, I was like, okay, he's probably just surviving until he hears the clap. And for him to tap, I mean, it's like when you see someone tap with that little bit of time, it's probably because they can't hear their corner, right? Like they can't <laughs> hear the corner say, just hold on, man. Um, yeah, it, very very impressive. And that that was a fun one because dude, the dude does have a chin. Rodriguez does have a chin. And he made you want to be like, oh, fuck yeah. I can't wait for his next fight. And the crowd was like mm-hmm. super stoked. You know, like he was, he was getting the theatrics. Obviously he won the crowd. Mm-hmm. Super hyped. The crowd was amazing. You know, yeah. I mean, they were fighting, yeah. but the, the yeah, crowd, they're, they're the, having a but, brawl, but the crowd was amazing, right? Like it's, it's a really good crowd. And like when they were against, uh, the opponent, they were against them, you know, and they were cheering for the mm-hmm. dude, but yeah, really, really cool performance from Rodriguez because of, the adversity that he showed. And I didn't really think about it. You just said it. So I'm just going to steal it from you. But yeah, the calm and the chaos was awesome. I didn't really think about how calm he was, but he really was. He, it was like, I'm not phased by this and I'm still going to do what I do. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. That's one of those. He's almost in that position of what we see with some of the younger Brazilian fighters, especially the women where he's, he's fought some pretty good competition already. Yep. And so the fact that he has two losses at 24 years old is is not I don't see as a problem. Yep. You know, I I think that he's been fighting tough guys for a while now and that's just, like we saw there's a reason a 24-year-old is that calm. Yep. As it's going on, you know, being tough and having that confidence of knowing like you can eat shots, yeah, for sure, but also <laughs> being in there, you know, with good fighters repeatedly like he as I was watching, I was like, oh, I just, whenever he fights next, time me out. Oh, 100%. I want to see this 100%. Dude. Another person that I'll watch any time, um, El Loco Manuel Torres is, once again, got hurt early and then gets finished in the first round. <laughs> I, I can't remember how early he got hurt, but it was within the first, like, 10, 20 seconds, right? Yeah, like, like it was, immediately. It was, it, was, it was early, early, and you're like, he's so goddamn tough. He's yeah. so fucking tough. It's, it's... 
it's one of those things where it's like, okay, some fighters just have a style and maybe he needs to wake up and he needs to get hurt. Like, I'm not really fighting to like, mm-hmm. but imagine if he could just take that out and still be, you know, yeah. and still like, unless it does wake him up. Imagine you just take that one thing out where you don't have to get hit. You don't have yeah, to hard. do that to yourself. It's so hard. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, after, after that happens, it's what a minute, minute, 46 seconds. It's like, God, he just takes over. He's so good, man. He's so fun to watch. And yeah. don't get me wrong, we talked about it a little bit. It's, I, I, I don't think either of us thought Chris Duncan was really going to win. Mm-hmm. But watching Torres do how he does it, you're like, he's just in control. It feels like even when he gets hurt, he's still in control of a fight, which is super fun and impressive to watch. Yeah, the two things, obviously, for him are going to be, one, what's he look like after five minutes, sure. right? Because Tyson Pedro, <laughs> who we're going to talk about, the same thing looks awesome for five minutes. So yeah. we need to know that. And the other thing is on the flip side of, you know, you hear it all the time with like power punchers who knock people out. And then when they get to the upper echelon of the division, it's like, yeah, guys don't fall down when you hit them now. Yeah. Right. Fair enough. And it's, I'm interested in kind of the flip side of that with him is like, yeah, it, it's all great getting cracked and it waking you up when it's Chris Duncan hitting you yeah. in the face. You know, like what is going to happen when Armand Sarukian or Benoit Saint Denis hits you in the face? Like that's you know that that's not an okay trait to have once you start getting to to the top of the division. Why so, not? Yeah, right. I mean, it worked for Chuck Liddell yeah. until you know he was getting until knocked out didn't with jabs. Work for Chuck Liddell, yeah, yeah. So obviously, I don't think Torres is happy with getting hurt every single time he fights uh but god it's fun to watch this is an insane streak of getting hurt and then finishing the fight almost immediately you know what's also real fun man like the fact that the people that you're saying when he goes up against when you think of like kind of the top of the division you're throwing in santani that's so Mm -hmm. fun to like just to know that this guy's like like hey i'm right here and like I know you didn't do it like as a as a measured thing, but to know that like Saint Denis is one fight away from being, you know, beating Dustin Poirier, yes. and like and like you're already bringing it. Like, what are you going to do when you see Saint Denis? And Saint Denis what ranked 11, 12, something twelve twelve. Yeah, yeah it's like that. It, it was it's just like a fun thing to know like what's on the on the way in the lightweight division, yes. and and you just said it like. Like it was like we've been talking about him forever, you know. Yeah. Or Benoit Saint Denis, as Dominic Cruz called him yesterday. Did he really? <laughs> yeah. Benoit when he, was, when he was reading out the the card for two ninety nine, it's like hilarious. Benoit Saint Denis. Like what? Hey man, the fuck is that? He's a fighter. He's a yeah. Fighter, right? you know? <laughs> um, and then I had another prospect that I thought put on an amazing performance and did what what she does was. Jasmine Howergy. Yep. I mean, what she did to Sam Hughes, the the speed and first of all, everything's a combo. Loved it. The, the thing that I loved about watching this because I thought Sam Hughes looked really not great to me, but mm-hmm. the combos, I'm like, dude, does she ever just throw a jab, bro? Nope. <laughs> Every single time, it's a combo, and it's fast. By the way, She's combos so chips fast. are disgusting. I just had to say that. I had to get it. Like, yeah. Yeah. I know someone that Some, loves the pizza ones. Disgusting. Ew. <laughs> ew. Yeah. Um, do they eat those while they're at the gathering? Uh, <laughs> so, just in case so, you guys don't know, the gathering is the gathering of the jugglers. <laughs> yeah, the jugglers. Yeah. If you don't know, can't afford it. Um, 
<laughs> so if you don't know, you're not white trash. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're, talking yeah. about Juggalos. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I don't feel good. I just watched uh, the Juggalo episode of Workaholics. It was hilarious. But go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so sad. You down with the clown? Have you ever had Fago? Oh. No. Is it? No. I wonder I, if it's actually. I have self-respect. But I wonder if it's actually. Good. Well, that has nothing to do with ICP. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be like if they ate Doritos. You stop eating Doritos. Well, but, no. Well, hold on. Like Doritos is a. A well-known brand. That, that's like saying munchos. Well, <laughs> you know, like, but two, like two very different things. Apparently, Fago is a well-known brand in whatever area yeah. of the... People know what RC Cola is, RC Cola is delicious. Stop. It's not Coca... Listen, my favorite soda is Coca-Cola. I will say it. If Coca-Cola wants to sponsor us, I, will, I don't drink Pepsi. I think it's disgusting. I don't drink Mountain Lightning. But... If Fago's good, it's good. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's okay if Fago to be good. And you just like, you could take a sip and be like, I don't listen to ICP. It's okay. You don't have to. Be I like- don't think you can. They're synonymous. <laughs> They're synonymous. If you, you know, drink Fago, can, you listen to ICP. Can You're I say something else too? There, I uh, One of the guys from ICP was on some podcast and he was just talking. He was like, all this, uh, he's like, all the money we spent, they've, <laughs> they've never sponsored us. <laughs> it's like, of course they haven't. <laughs> but like, but like, but you ima- thought they would. <laughs> imagine if the only reason I know about Fago is because of these two dudes, right? Yeah. And they're like, we're not going to sponsor you. <laughs> yeah, of course not. They're talking about stirring people's drinks with their dicks. <laughs> like, that's, oh, did they say that's that? Not, yeah, on one of their one of their songs uh-huh. <laughs> yeah just stay away from my fake <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i mean let's sponsor those guys um, but let's get back to fighting back, back to jasmine howardy <laughs> juggalo um <laughs> rude i will cut this shit off right now you call me a juggalo one more time <laughs> the just her skill set is so enjoyable to watch Correct. that there's so many fun matchups there. The one that I actually really want to see, but she's already booked, is her versus Angela Hill. Oh, I think yeah. that would be that, a lot that's of the fun. Test, right? Yes, exactly. And it's a very similar style of. It would be a very fun kickboxing match yeah. be, between those two. Uh, say, along the same thought, her versus Loma Luke Boonmi, I think would be a lot of fun. And Luke Boonmi will throw in some clinch work her yep. being a muay thai fighter she'll throw in some groundwork so there's some additional challenges there if they want to get Howergy into the top 15 michelle waterson gomez because she's still ranked so like she has to fight somebody or retire i think that's another one where stylistically it's a test that needs to be passed because yeah, to, to be a top 15 because yeah, gomez waterson gomez she does she will try to get you on the case. She will try to take you down, like if there's adversity. So yeah, that'd be that'd be a good match. I, I like that one a lot because I think Angela Hill and Watterson Gomez are both in the same position. Uh, I like to watch Angela Hill fight more. Uh, it's it's a more pleasing style, Great. but I think they're they're both in the same position of like if you can't beat us, you know where you're you're at. If you can beat us, we don't know where you're at as far as the top ranking, but we know that you're you just broke through. So either of those fights would be real fun. And it's funny because you could choose either of those women and you're like, if you beat either of them, you're ready to see that next level of competition. Agreed. And the other one that would be at least coming off of quite a few wins in a row now uh, that is ranked and once again, stylistically would be very fun is Karolina Kovacavich. Yeah, I don't want to say her last name, but yeah, I mean, that's she's she's how old is she? She's got to be like mid 30s, maybe. Is she young 30s? Um, no, I think she this. she's pushing 40, I believe. She's 38 years old. Yeah, so like yeah. So like that's yeah, that's the you beat the old vet. 
you know, someone yeah. that used to challenge for a belt. You know, they used to be like she might win a belt. Yeah, and, and is still getting wins against up and comers, right? Like you look at her. Was it her last? She's won four in a row. Her last three over Juarez, Demopolis, who is an up and comer, and then Diana Belbita. Yep. Like there's, you know, that that's one where at least you're catching somebody who who's winning fights still in the UFC as opposed to Waterson Gomez. Uh, but yeah, I, I want to watch ever since Howard Gee, Lucinda, like I want to watch her yep. fight every single week. Great job rebounding from getting shut off. However, too, right? we, we talked, yeah, 20 seconds. Yeah. We talked about it going into the fight though. Like Sam Hughes wasn't going to test the same things nah. that Denise Gomes tested. And, 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 and Sam Hughes didn't even look like two levels of, like she, she looked like she had multiple levels to get on. I mean, how? How? Yes. I can't say her name. How? How? She really showed her ass on this one. It was. It was. She showed that like this person doesn't belong in the cage with me at this point of their careers. You know. So it was. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. I think it was uh, maybe Kiesa after the fact was making a comparison. He said that might not have been Kiesa. Whoever it was was like she reminds me of a young Yoana uh, Young J Chad. Oh, okay. Well, that's just I mean, a that's that a like that's super high praise, right? Uh, so definitely want to watch her fight again. And then Argentinian Drew Dober and uh, Daniel Zell Huber. I mean, that was what a fight, you know, for it was one of those fights where even though there was a clear cut difference in skill level, yeah. it was entertaining throughout. There was always that like, well, what if Prado hits him? Yep. You know, what if he actually catches him clean and just. Just fun to watch, and and unfortunately, that's one of the fights though that I was. Well, I mean, I guess two judges gave it to Prado the first, but second and third round for sure for me was like, okay, now we're getting to the territory of like, okay, Prado's tough. I'm not mm -hmm. impressed of what he's doing. I'm impressed at his toughness, but I was really impressed with Zell Huber just not blowing his load because they are at altitude. It do it doesn't matter what. Like how in, how in good shape you are that you're that you're one of these lower weight. I think this is lightweight, but to not blow your load and still control those those last two rounds and really just put damage on him. And it it was yes with with the Prado being able to come back and for him not getting stopped, all all praise. He didn't give up on himself, but Zell Huber was clearly winning and he just looked so good. Yeah, I. I was impressed with two things. One, the gas tank to go 15 at elevation, being a gigantic lightweight. The weight cut did not look easy for yep. him. He was really like skeletal on the scale. So that was number one. And then for him to adjust his game plan, because round one, there was a lot of southpaw. Oh, yeah. He was looking for the kicks to try to keep, you know, Dom even talked about to try to keep the right hand of Prado at bay. And then just basically realized like, that's not working for me. Goes in, gets conventional, and then the whole fight changes from there, working off the jab. Because Prado, when it was orthodox southpaw, Prado was getting into range relatively easily. Oh, and yes. was putting hands, I mean, relatively, because he was still eating shots <laughs> to do it. He does it. Yeah, yeah, but he, I mean, he was putting hands on Zell Huber. And yeah. then he was like, nope, conventional, put the jab on his face. And from that, I mean, the very first jab, he landed round two. It was like, oh, that guy's eye sockets. Oh, God. I, I can't imagine how bad that... I mean, this is the reason why it was a fight of the night, right? There, there's a yes. reason for it. And I think a lot of the fight of the night was... But but this is what I'm just saying. I'm not hating on the fight. I, it was a very entertaining fight. I think a lot of the fight of the night 
round two and three was someone really showing a lot of skill and technique and controlling of a fight and another person being tough. But mm-hmm. Prado had a great first round and he stuck in it. And because like if, if you don't know what Prado brings to the table, yeah, you might be like, he's just getting beat up, but you know there's a consequence to really like letting your guard down for a second and yeah, it was just exciting. It was just a good it's just a good scrap. Yeah, Prado finishes fight. <laughs> Ken flows all over the place. Uh, so yeah, hard. I mean every every win is a is a stoppage for him. So really impressed by Zell Huber. Uh, not to mention his cat or his shin was so swollen. It I didn't so notice gross. it until they mentioned it, and I was like, oh my god! I just wasn't looking. So gross. I just like sometimes you can see it. I just and when I saw it, I was like, oh gross, dude. Yeah. Saw it. You know what was not seen? The blatant fence grab by Honey Barcelos. What do you what do you do? Hold then? on a second. Burr, 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 burr. Continue. Yeah, Continue. In, in the feature premium, yeah. yeah. Just but like what do you do there? Because ultimately, like you can't just warn them because that changed the fight. Yeah. Is is that a point deduction right there for that? First time grabbing the fence. Oh, it was blatant. Gosh. It made it so it didn't go to the ground. It was very clear. I, I mean, like, how many times do you see a fence grab where it like pulls the fence? Like, you actually see, mm-hmm. but it, I think, I think we're the referee because that was the, like they said, like a Russian or Polish referee. They they mentioned his, um, like his ethnicity or whatever. Yeah, yeah the local guy. Yeah, but for me, I was like, okay, the first one as a ref, you're like, okay, you can't do. It. But there was like two or three more after that. You mm-hmm. got it. Is clearly this guy is using this to his advantage, which is yeah. not to get taken down. It was, I mean, egregious. Yes. I, I mean, I think, but maybe that that's the answer. Is something that egregious first time, like, you probably don't feel good about taking a point there, but that is a, like, hey, stop the fight. If you do that again, any fence grab, we're taking a point next time and we're going to start it back up against the fence. And and it's tough because you don't see it very often. I think we saw it this year. Maybe. I don't know, but you don't see it very often someone kicks someone in the in the in the junk. First time it's usually not a point taken away if someone pokes them in the eye first time. So it's like, okay, are those less damaging than a fence grab? I think a war- but dude, he grabs so hard. I think it's actually the refs Allowing it to continue and missing it was mm-hmm. more of an issue for me than the guy. Tra- because, I mean, like, it's a sport, right? If people can get away with cheating, quote-unquote cheating, yeah. or or bending the rules a little bit, they're going to. And naturally, like, if if someone grabbed me, if I went and trained for the first time today and someone grabbed me against the face, I'm going to grab the cage. I'm just going to try to hold myself. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's a natural reaction. It's an, It's an unnatural reaction to not grab. Mm-hmm. But it was, I mean, his arm was all the way out. Dude. Yeah, <laughs> like his arm was You straight. saw the whole fence <laughs> move. Like it, it was bad. But yeah, the, it's to me, it raises a very interesting question because you don't like first kick to the ouch pouch, right? First poke to the eye. It's very rare that a point gets deducted. Correct. And so like fence grab is, is position more important than damage being done from something? I, I don't think so personally. Think so. Oh, but if yeah. you're... If you're a guy who, like, if you're Paul Craig and somebody grabs the fence and prevents you from getting yep. them to the ground, like, that's that could change the whole fight. That does change the whole fight, not could. So, yeah. But do want to say 
to uh, Barcelos's credit, you know, one crafty vet. There you go. Uh, but also litmus test for guys at Bantamweight, like Barcelos can still do it. And I, I know he had a couple couple bad losses there, uh, but, you know, who who's he losing to? Umar Nurmagomedov, right? Oh, yeah. Like, you know, he, he lost to Umar and Kyler Phillips. Oof. So, you know, it, that is like, it was interesting to see that performance from Barcelos to to get the finish. He showed like you cannot slip. Yeah. You don't you don't get a second of grace for 15 minutes. And and I think, you know, Barcelos never going to contend for a title. There was a time in his career where it looked like, hey, this is a guy that could be a top, you know, bantamweight. Not the case anymore, but definitely, definitely a, a Nicholas Dalby type. Like, let's you got to prove something to get past this guy. Correct. And then Dana White prospect that I was hoping to see prove something, uh, but fell ill. A little bit of Montezuma's revenge there. Uh, Raul Rosas falling ill uh, prior to the fight. Now, what's very interesting is they, Dana White, very publicly screaming into his phone, said that they were going to rebook that fight for next week at a catchweight. Well, then Ricky Tercios came out there, and they also announced on the broadcast, like, this is yep. happening. Yep. You know, we've moved it. And Ricky Tercios was like, well, wait a second. I haven't signed anything. And I was there ready to fight in front of 20,000 people on the main card. And five minutes before I'm supposed to walk, they tell me the fight's off. Yeah. He's like, that's not professional. At all. Why, they, they why do we go to the money? Yeah. Like, yeah. why do we go to the apex now? Yeah. And so, like, good on Ricky Tercios. However, yep. you are Ricky Tercios. You're not Umar Nurmagomedov. Like, you're probably going to end up having to take that fight or they're going to bury you. Oh, for sure. But but once again, we talked about it before with Poirier and Saint-Denis. And we, like, clearly, that's not the first time. And obviously, not going to be the last time they do that where they're announcing fights before both people agree to the fight. Yeah. Fucking wild. And, and le- unless it's a situation where Tercios' camp, like they talked to his manager or camp, and it just had to be made it to him because he's fighting, you know, like whatever. But, I mean, if they don't pay him his show money, uh, that that's wild because I'm there. Like you're saying, I'm I'm, I'm ready. I, I don't even know that I'm not fighting, right? It's not yeah. like it's not like that morning it wakes up and it's like, we can't fight and you have the day. It's like I'm warming up thinking it's go time. You know, I want to beat this kid's ass and then – so pay, make sure just pay him, and and that's the thing yeah. is the UFC. If they just go look, we'll pay you, we'll pay you your show money for now. We'll pay you a little extra on the next fight. Of course, he's going to say yes. And and if you're Ricky Tercios, like think about the stage, right? Yeah, you were fighting this uber prospect yep. in front of you know in front of the hometown uh, or the home country fans yep. on a card that's being headlined, well, co-main evented by a possible number one contender fight, and then headlined by the last two challengers for the flyweight belt yep. or the previous champion and challenger and now it's in the apex. Yeah. And like, don't get me wrong. We're going to find fun. We're about to talk about some very cool, fun stuff going on with this card, but it is not the same. Like let, let's not try to kid ourselves here. So that just sucks for Tercios. That's a, a really big missed opportunity. Even if he goes out there and fucks up Raul Rosas next week, like that's a very big opportunity now. Yeah, and and and, that's been and, awesome. and the crowd makes a difference. You know, I'm I'm really a fan of the the crowd events. Apex is yeah. different. This car's just this next week's car's just not not as 
this was a really good card and it had really good hype behind it. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to go to Mexico and bring it. And they did. So, yeah, sucks sucks for Tercios. Hopefully, hopefully they do something in the background to, like, appease that. Because yes. now now with these with these type, with him, he's not making as much money as these other people. So it is another week that I have to travel, bring my team, go to a hotel, blah, 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 blah. I'm away from my family another week. I have to make weight again in a week. Yeah, well, they, they said they're going to do catch weight. You still have to so make that, though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah, and the physical toll that cutting weight the first time put on your body, and he's not based out of Vegas. I think he fights out of Texas. So, like, yeah, your whole your people are having to travel yep. and – yeah, it's a really unfortunate. And on this card, there was two fights that actually I was very excited for, and uh, one for sure is off. That was the Joel Alvarez, Ludovic Klein, and Alvarez has been rebooked. We'll talk about that in our fight announcements. And then uh, Vinicius Oliveira was very excited for him to be making his debut after what he did on Contender Series against Giannis Gamori. I can't get confirmation. It's still showing up on the UFC website. It's still showing up on Tapology, but MMAX has been saying that uh, Gamori has pulled out and that fight is off. Uh, so yeah. unfortunate there. However, one that is on, and I am super excited for Javed Basharat taking on uh, Ayman Zahabi. That is Faraz Zahabi's younger brother. Uh, but I'm I'm focused on Basharat on this one. Last we saw him, uh, he was kicking all dick and balls of Victor <laughs> Henry. And, and and that was one of the fights like I rewatched, you know, because his most recent fight and rewatched it for this. And it was the fact that the doctor, like the doctor sitting there being like, it didn't hit you in the ball. Like just, just like, yeah, it huh. didn't hit you in the ball. He's like, oh, I'll take a ball. Yeah. Like, huh. Yeah. And <laughs> John Annick's response. I'm like, oh, come on. He's telling me to get hit in the testicles. Yeah. Dude, like, that's, that's, that's the should-be reaction, dude. John Annick, John Annick stopped being in a, a commentator for Moni. He's like, just being a dude, you know? But then caught himself and said testicles, for right? Sure. Like, for sure. Yeah, for like, sure. The professionalism doesn't of leave course. completely. Of course. Uh, but Bashrat is, he is one of those that we have talked about who came in to the UFC as like a UFC caliber fighter. Yeah. He came in. It's like, dude, this guy is so incredibly skilled. Mm-hmm. It we see it with McGee. We see it with Basharat's brother. We're going to see it with the guy fighting uh, Umar, Bexat, Almakan. Like there's such talent in that weight class in particular outside of the UFC. And, and Basharat, since he's been in the UFC undefeated though he's three and oh with the one no contest where you know he kicked the guy in the outcrop so hard he went back and started vomiting um but he's he's so technically sound like he just he doesn't put himself in danger he manages distance he uses teeps jabs like he just he's so good at not not being in a position where the fight can't go his way and, and it's it's really impressive uh, for somebody as young, I mean, he's 28, so he's, you know, starting to get into that prime age, but also has been in the UFC for four fights already. Correct. You know, this is going to be his fifth fight. And when you see the fight IQ on this guy, I mean, he's slow, just wore down Mendoltz. Um, you know, Mendoltz is explosive, so he stayed out of those explosive exchanges, you know, took him down in the third, was just beating on him ground and pound. Like, he's a very evolved prospect and i think if he goes out there and puts on a performance against zabi 
now we're talking about maybe he gets that Howney Barcelos fight next. Maybe he gets that, you know, edge of the top 15 type fight. It's hard to say because this division is so stacked, but God, watching him, it's one of those like doing the research. I'm like, oh God, this guy's good. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like you said, the division is stacked for a reason. Like it's, it's not like you just have occasionally uh, a 135 would be like, okay, he's good now. You know, it's like everybody's good. And it's more surprising if someone's not good at this point. Yeah. yeah. Like we, we, we would, we'd be better off talking about the people that were not uh, impressed with at that division at that weight class 135. So yeah, it's so fucking good. Another one that is building flyweight. We have a hell of a matchup. Well, we actually have two phenomenal matchups at flyweight. Which do you want to go with first, Schnell Urseg or Mokayev uh, Perez? Go to hit me with the Schnell Urseg, Urseg mm. just because I like saying Schnell for some reason. Schnell, yeah, I just like saying Schnell. The German, the German in you, Schnell. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, now, for a guy who is, I believe, six and six in the UFC, he is very good. Matt Schnell is impressive. If you want to know what you're going to get in a Matt Schnell fight, go watch the Sumadarji fight. Ooh. In the 10 minutes there, I mean, he was beat up. He was getting, Suma Darji is gigantic for a flyweight. I think he's like 5'10". Jesus Christ. Uh, has like a six-foot reach or just something outrageous or a 5'10 reach, like an outrageous reach for that. Uh, hurt Schnell badly. Not once, like twice, two, two three times. Like yeah. hurt him a lot. And Schnell fought through it. Fought through it, got the finish. I mean, just an, an insane chin you know, you watch the, like, even the Nikolau fight, like, he's he's there, you know, I mean, he's putting damage on him un, until he's not, he just, he gets hit a lot. The yeah. the left hand, I mean, Sumadarji was landing with the left hand, Nikolau caught him with the right, but then was was following up with lefts, like, the left hand appears to be a problem yep. for, for Schnell, and uh, Ersteg does have a pretty good fight IQ. I mean, you don't come in on short notice and, and put away the number 10 fighter in the division without being damn good yourself. So I want to see that. But this is really the first big test we're going to see for Ursek, and, and which sounds crazy considering he debuted against the number 10. Yeah. But Schnell's not going anywhere. Yeah, and and honestly, I'm more I'm more just excited to see Ursek to see what he does. He's so impressive, man. He's so yeah. impressive. Like, don't get me wrong, Schnell. Yeah, like you're saying, Schnell's gonna always be there. He's, but fuck, like, I think I've just seen Schnell not be able to break through, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like he, he, not saying he doesn't have the capacity because when you when you lose to Pantoja, when you lose to Roy Val, those things. If they don't make you better, then you're never going to be a champion anyways, right? Like, I never dog somebody for losing because it might make you better. And it should level you up. I mean, technically, what Roy Val just did, he might have leveled up from just losing to Pantoja. And mm-hmm. and really, he didn't look too much different. It just looked, I mean, What did he say, though, after the fight? He was like, I'm not letting anybody hold me down anymore, right? So he leveled up his mind, at least. We didn't get to really see it too much. But for Urseg, man... There's something about him. It's just like he seems like a cocky son of a bitch, you know, just like like he just has this like like I'm gonna do this to you. But you're right. I mean, this is this is this is a huge test because styles make matchups and and this is gonna be this is gonna be like can you if he can if he can submit Schnell, like 
Uh-oh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. uh-oh, the division needs to look and be like, okay, this guy can probably submit sh- sh- <laughs> most of us, you know? <laughs> I just think, like, short notice, top 10 against Dvorak, like, you know, Dvorak was preparing for somebody else, and, and obviously Urseg is very high level. But now Schnell is the type where not only is he not going anywhere, and you're going to have to fight the full 15 if you can't put him away. Yep. He's going to continue to bring it. Yep. It's a very violent style he has. Whereas Dvorak's not necessarily the most violent of fighters, but Schnell is. Yep. And so for Urseg, like you cannot get caught slipping. And and against Costa, he he did. He got clipped, right? Like he he let his guard down for a second there. And so I am very interested to see the to see what he does there. This fight was supposed to take place at 295 before Urseg had to fight Costa on short notice. Um so yeah I I want to know what it looks like 15 minutes in because if Urseg gets past Schnell, guess what? We got we got a live one. We have somebody who has shown that ability. And 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 that's what I want to see because I want to see Urseg if he passes the test, I want to see him. He, he's someone that like I kind of have on the back of my radar. See, like, okay, let's see, let's see what happens when he's consistently fighting a little bit better competition. Um, but man, let's just be real, right? This is a fight night card. Might not be the best fight night card in the world on paper. We get Umar, dude. Umar Nurmur. Nurm- Damn, say it for me. Nurmagomedov. Thank you. <laughs> I the frustrating thing about Umar is that no one wants to fight him. Mm-hmm. They don't have anybody that's going to help his career, quote unquote, that's in the UFC. But you and I talked about this, and I was real frustrated. I'm like, can this motherfucker get a fight? And then you're like, but we have to do our research, man. Go look at it. And watching uh, Be- Bexot. Bexot, yeah. Dude, dude has crazy KO power and striking. And if he can keep it standing, this is going to be a fucking banger. But what happens if Umar, Umar's all over the place yeah. and. I'm fucking super stoked. I'm ready to like literally doing research for this card. My note for Umar's matchup is finally, you know what I'm saying? Finally. Yeah. So, I mean, if you guys listen to the start of the year uh, episode that we did of fighters, we're most looking forward to Umar is my guy at Bantamweight. Just the, his ability to blend. I mean, his last name is Nurmagomedov, made off. So, you know, he has the grappling, uh, but he had him and his brother Usman have that almost like karate kung fu kicking style. The front leg for Umar is an absolute weapon, uh, or should I say, right leg? Because he does line up southpaw a lot. But his fight against Honey Barcelos came out uh, orthodox, you know, to, to start things. But the right leg for Umar is such a weapon that. It's it makes me think of his cousin Khabib, where like we knew what Khabib was gonna do, yeah, and he was just gonna do it, and like with <laughs> which is with fresh Umar, hundred percent. But like with Umar, we know, hey, on the feet, there's things you got to worry about the knees and and funky punches and transition. Ask Barcelos, but the right leg, like that's what you need to worry about. If he's standing orthodox, it's the back leg. If yeah. he, if he's fighting southpaw, it's the front leg. But the right leg is a a problem. And then when he gets you on the ground, he's going to smother you. What he did to uh, Nate Manus, the elbows, he 
hits him with one of the nastiest like elbow immediate hematoma. It immediately split open, immediately swelled up. And so all that praise for Umar. You know, here's a guy that we thought Corey Sanhagen, like, uh, still waiting for that fight to happen. Yes. But now all of a sudden people are like, oh, well, he's fighting some guy who's not even in the UFC. Well, that guy who's not even in the UFC, 26 years old, already 17 and one with 15 finishes. Stupid. And it is not, it is not the typical like regional type stuff. Some of his fights are on the regional scene for sure. But he's only fought one guy who had a losing record, which is not normal for really good fighters in that part of the world because they can't get fights against guys. And so he has been fighting very, very good competition, and he's been tested already. We saw him get cut against uh, Mastro Marini in the third round, and now granted it was a fight he was winning, but he got got cut, was leaking. We then see him get dropped by uh, Mateus Gloria in, I mean, bad, bad. It looked like he was on his way out grappled his way back into the fight and then head kicks him seven seconds into round two and puts him <laughs> out. But he's, it's almost Kapilov-esque in that a lot of his finishes are coming later in fights. Now, I know I said he has 15 finishes. Tapology only shows 11 of like when they occurred. Nine of those, round two or three. And it, if you watch that, uh, the Faraz fight, two seconds left. And he puts him out. I know. And and that is, and he was dominating that fight. He very easily could have hands up fight. No, this is a violent human and puts him away with two seconds left. Uh, But my favorite thing on, on his record was the fight against Giovanni Vargas, where I saw on Tapology it said high kick and refused to fight. And I was like, well, I I have to go watch that. (laughs) I, I need to know what that looks like. And he, first of all, it's on YouTube. So guys go watch it. Uh, but I'll just give you the breakdown real quick. Throws the head kick. Vargas just backs up against the fence and kind of starts shaking his head no. And Beck's out like points at him and looks at the ref like, what? And the ref just stops Should it. Should I like, continue? Or <laughs> Yeah, like, hey, do you want me to punch this guy? Because this isn't going to be good. Um, Almakan looks UFC ready. There's no doubt about that. Correct. The, the only... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say... I don't know if he's Umar. Really. Yes, that, uh, but but here's going to be the shame, and it's just because I'm a fan of Umar, and I didn't know about this guy until he got matched up. I mean, it's not like he was on my radar at all, right? Not watching Umar. watching Kazakh regional MMA. Yeah, yeah. So I don't. Uh, but how do you say Al- Almakan? Yeah, yeah. Almakan just wasn't on my radar. Fun to find out about. I mean, this is what's so good about this. Is what's so fun about us doing the podcast is you. Watching it, because let's just say this fight happens next week. You don't even know who Almakan is, and Umar just destroys him. You're like, who the fuck was that guy? So it's fun to do that. But what kind of shame would be as a fan of Umar and wanting to see him fight for so long and and no one wanted to fight him if this guy beats him? It's like, fuck. So for my own heart, I'm hoping... Umar can Umar a little all over this dude. But if not, we have another fucking Bantamweight that's coming in and saying, fuck you guys. Like, you guys don't understand. I've been, I've been outside the UFC. I'm here now, baby. And can, can, why, why is the Bantamweight division getting another good person? Like, can we chill? Can we just there's, fucking chill? There's so many good, small, good fighters in the world. Yeah, I'm small. Like, I can't fight for shit. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, well, there are ones that can. Yeah, no. Uh, but the the interesting thing is like everyone wants the big matchup for Umar, but like realistically, his best wins to date Nate Manus, 
Aoni Barcelos, Brian Kelleher. But that's right? why I want to so see like, the fight competition. Was, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. If Bexot was already in the UFC, I think people would be saying, oh, this is a logical step up in competition. Well, I would but be because saying he's too. not. Yes. Yeah. Because I don't wanna, he's not, it's a little different. I don't want to see Umar not get another chance at a legit UFC opponent because no one wants to fight him or whatever's going on. Yeah. Like, like, dude, you just said Corey Sanhagen. Like, imagine. Imagine. And, and, if it, and if Umar loses, who gives a shit? We got to see it. I want to know where he's at because, honestly, this doesn't answer the question. I don't care what anybody says. I mean, the PFL just happened. PFL versus Bellator, champ for champ. Whatever. You can say whatever you want. But the top of the top is at the UFC. You know, like, of course, you're going to have people that can come into the UFC and compete, all this shit. But the top yeah. of the top consistently is at the UFC. Umar needs to start getting matched up to these people so we can see if the hype that we have and the excitement that we have is going to match up with his performances. So hopefully after this fight, if he wins, um, and now that Al, Al- Makan is there, whatever the fuck say his last name. Just say Bexot. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to struggle with that one Because I'm too. seeing it as B-E-Z-K, Be- Bezcott. Yeah. But Al Makan, if he comes in and... I kind of want him to do just well enough that we get to see him again. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like, I'm so excited about his watching his fights now, but I really want Umar to go. And then the UFC have to be like, yo, you guys have to fight him. Someone has to fight him. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Now, one prospect that has been moving up the ladder, getting those tougher tests and passing every single one. Muhammad Makayev. My God. Go, going back and rewatching the fights, and it was very different because I watched uh, a couple of Perez fights that were both like two minutes long, yep. and then a couple of Mokayev fights that both went into the third round. Uh, but Mokayev, he's a guy who had, I think they said, 23 amateur fights, undefeated in the amateur, undefeated as a professional, and uh, he's just, he's good everywhere. Like the, he has the wrestling background. So when he's in danger, he can fall back on that. He's a hell of a grappler. But one thing that really struck me, and and we say it all the time, is if you're talking about how tough somebody is, it's probably a bad thing for them in a fight. One of the rare instances where it was not a bad thing, Mokayev against Pastor uh, Jafel Filio, that was a... I mean, his knee was wrecked, right? Yes. That's one of the nastiest knee bars I've, I've seen. Did you just say knee bar? Yeah, I did say knee bar. Tore his MCL, um, and he just didn't tap. Didn't tap. And not only did he did Mokayev not tap, he ended up getting the finish. And that's one where it's like, okay, this dude, we're, we're going to talk about his toughness because 99 out of 100 fighters tap there. Yeah. Right? They're, they're, they're not letting their knee get shredded like that. But then to come back get the finish, I mean, that shows that absolute killer instinct. When he is in a tough spot, we know he is not giving up on himself. Correct. And that tells us a whole lot about once this guy gets to the top of the division, which I think it is just a matter of time, you're going to have to put him away. Correct. You're going to have to knock him unconscious or or sleep him because he's not tapping. Yeah, I mean, Jesus. But also... The, there's a difference in that, right? Like when we're talking about someone's toughness, because usually like, they're getting beat up and they're not going beat out, up. Right? Yeah. Like for him, it's like if you get your shit torn. I mean, it's like if someone bro- broke their jaw and they won. It's like okay, yeah. But let's not forget Alex Perez ain't no fucking slouch, dude. He, yeah, he's on a two fight skid. Um, 
Reminder, he lost to Pantoja and Figueredo. Okay, I'll lose to those two guys in a row. And this could be one of those moments, man. I'm 31, you're 23. You're just you're just not going to be able to out-experience me. That could be the situation we're having here, especially with your two losses being the current champ and a former champ. Yeah. It could be one of those moments. Now, now, do I think Mikhaev has everything that he needs to beat Alex Perez? Of course. But re-watching some of Alex Perez's shit is like, don't let me forget who he is because he's losing to um, Pantoja and Figueroa. Yeah, it's like he's – he's so it, if, if Perez wins, I won't be shocked because it's like – that experience can kick in, and Mokaev will learn from him. But if Mokaev wins, it's like, oh, no, dude. Like, you're the shit, dude. I mean, he's already the yes. shit, but. He's had, first of all, he's had three fights since the last time Perez stepped into the octagon. And that's the thing about even though Perez being the older, the vet, fought for a title, all of those things, he has four minutes and he hasn't fought for more than four minutes and six seconds in almost five years. He has a minute and 31 of cage time since 2020, and that That's was the Pantosha fight. So dumb. He's had 12 fights canceled or rebooked in his UFC career. Yeah, that's crazy. And it's, so it's unfortunate because he is he's that talented. Yeah. He is a championship-level fighter. You know, with his, his losses to Figgy and Pantosha, he didn't look out of place. He, he just got caught. Yeah, he got caught. Like, there, there was just a, an opening, right? But he did not look out of place in the cage with those guys. But we just don't know what we're going to see with him. And and that's kind of the scary part. Because Mokayev, we know what we're going to see. Yep. Every time this man has been in the cage, he has gotten better. Correct. Seven months after having his knee shredded, he goes out there and outgrapples Tim Elliott. The finish to that, the fight IQ to get himself between Elliott and the cage, to finish that arm triangle. I mean, he is very impressive and obviously a physical specimen if he's coming back not just coming back seven months later but fighting seven months after tearing the mcl like that is you know had to go through camp had to train i mean just impressive <laughs> and mokayev i it he is definitely at some point going to contend for a title yeah. and and that's it, it's always exciting to see that perez is going to be a challenge but I also think this is his welcome to the top five. You know, you are now going to be fighting guys that only fight the top. You're going to be fighting the cops. You're going to be fighting the Nicolaus. Exactly. You know, the Kai Car fronts. Like, that's who you're with now if you get this win. A absolutely. And, and and talking about our, our co-main, someone that's mm. not touching the top five right now, but just getting that, like, if you beat me, you know, if you beat Tyson Pedro, you're you're sniffing at that top fifteen. And how exciting is Vitor Petrino? Oh my god, dude. Like, here's the thing. We know we know Tyson Pedro, right? Like mm -hmm. really good knockout power in the first round. <laughs> like, yeah. like at first round, you're you're if if UFC fights started doing just one rounders, I'm picking Tyson Pedro on a lot of these, right? Yeah. But Petrino's a tank. Yes. He's got great grappling. And check. First of all, he looks like a monster. <laughs> like, but he has crazy KO power. It's just like like the light heavyweight needs some excitement, but Pedro's just more experienced. He just fought that competition. It's 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 a test for him. Let's see what happens, how he game plans for the first round. I think if I'm fighting Pedro, I'm like, 
I'm really game planning for the first round and then hopefully I can take over. Um, but man, like Petrino watching his fights, you're like, I, you're undefeated for a fucking reason, man. And, and he's not, um, like, he, I don't know. I, I can't, I can't speak on his fight IQ yet. I can't say that like, he's the most like, I'm not saying he's not intelligent. All these guys are intelligent. Mm-hmm. All these fighters are intelligent. But, like, we know what Tyson Pedro brings. So, it's really going to be a show to be like, this is going to be your test to start sniffing that top 15 in light heavyweight, which clearly needs or clearly can use, like, a, a, a big influx of talent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, other than heavyweight and women's bantamweight, uh, the least deep division in, in the UFC, I Correct. would say. And, and, and when and you look at that, you always forget about my boy, Khalil Roundtree, but we won't speak. Yeah. That. Yeah. But Khalil's been, been around for a while, Correct. right? In, Correct. in the UFC, yeah. he's been there for a while. Yeah. And so there are not a lot of prospects at light heavyweight. And there was a time where Tyson Pedro was that. Yes. Right. And, and here's a guy who he's got 10, fin- all 10 of his wins are finishes. And it's not Can just, trust. Yes. Yeah, big time. And it's not all just knockouts. It's split five and five, but they all they're all in the first round. Yeah. And it almost looks like he gets stuck in the mud after that first round. Like you watch the Bokoskis fight, you know, that that was a great one to see because both these guys fought Bokoskis and Petrino put him out. Yep. And Pedro got 30, 27 or 29, 20, whatever it was, you know, got very clearly decisioned in that fight. Now. Can't always use MMA math because Petrino also fought the pleasure, man. Nice. And it was a fight of the night, 15 minutes, a good, hard, hard fought fight. Well, Tyson Pedro in his last fight put the pleasure man out. First round, you know, man. Quickly. Yeah. And and we talk about Petrino's power. Like Pleasure Man took that power. He, yeah. He ate those shots Fair. and lived to to fight another day he said live yeah live to just live period (laughs) whereas tyson pedro put him out yeah and so it's gonna be interesting now every time we see petrino he's much better every single time the fact that against prakneo his corner is coaching him through how to do the arm triangle in in a fight which is cool yeah he's looking over at his corner like what do i do now (laughs) however you say that in portuguese um but you know to to do that is so impressive and he has a gas tank for a guy that looks like he's fucking chiseled out of marble like those are the guys that gas quickly correct not petrino correct. he's yep. gone 15 against uh pleasure man right he went 15 against practical 14 against practical right and like and he has that and that's going to be his advantage potentially in this fight right yes yeah. yes and now <laughs> the thing though that was and pedro's one of those that like you get excited and then you feel let down and then you get excited. Yep. He looked a little softer when he fought Bukowskis. A little chubbier around the middle. When he fought Pleasure Man, he, he had like traps. He was like yoked up. He was on to, I think this is going to be his third camp with City Kickboxing. Yep. And just developing that style, getting a little more faint, heavy, trying to draw stuff out of people. Like, this is a very, very intriguing matchup because, first of all, Petrino gets the win. He's 4-0 in the UFC in a division that needs prospects, has the look, has the style. Yeah. You know, he's going to be, he might be in the top 15 without fighting a top 15 fighter just because they can sell it. And if not, if not, his next fight is against 
the Azamat Mertzikhanovs of the world, the Ryan Spans, the Dustin Jacobis. Like, that's his next fight. But also, like, if Pedro can put away this prospect, and if he does it in a way that's not in the first round, now all of a sudden Pedro's sniffing the top 15. Pedro's always going to be sniffing the top 15 with wins because... Yeah, you're just like, I mean, you got it. <laughs> you got it. It's just yes. like, do you got it? And to your credit with, you know, the first uh, camp of City Kickboxing, you're you're learning something different. Second camp kind of shows, what does this look like? And if he's going to keep excelling, okay, good. Either of these guys needs to have an impressive win to, to make this division uh, just a little bit better. Just a little yeah. bit. Agreed. And then our main event, uh, we got the big boys back, the heavyweights, and I'm glad that this was not in Mexico City because my man Shamil Gazif looks exhausted every time he fights after the first uh, punch it, he throws. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes it's not even in the fight. Like watching the Martin Budai fight, he didn't look overly gassed out during the fight, but the second the fight was over, it's like, uh, uh, but like just breathing heavy, like man. I remember us talking about this, and I was like, "You're right," because to me, I was like, "He didn't," because I had to go back and be like, "I don't remember him looking gas," and he didn't. He looked like, mm-hmm. like it's one of those things where he can hold it together, and then it's like, okay, well, the fight's over. I don't have to pretend anymore. Like I'm, it's like yeah. I don't know if you've ever had like that moment in your life where you're walking up the stairs, you're trying to pretend like you're cool, and then people leave you like, <laughs> "Fuck, I'm tired," you know? Or maybe it's just my fat ass, but. But man, can, can I just say something real quick? I don't want to bring down the mood, but please do. This is a five round heavyweight fight, so it ain't going. It ain't going. I understand, rounds. but anytime you see a heavyweight fight, and it's like, please, 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 have this one be a finish. Like, I don't need yes. every fight to be a finish. I'm perfectly fine with Moreno Warval not being a finish. I'm perfectly okay with it. I, yeah. It was exciting. Please be a finish. Please. Yeah, I need one. every heavyweight fight to be a finish. That's that's what I need. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I don't want to be that guy because it's like there's more to fighting the finishes, but finishes make all fights more exciting, whatever. But goddamn, please have this one. And, and let's be real, like this this shouldn't. But Kaziev can out wrestle Rosen Strike to a to a really boring heavyweight mm-hmm. decision. He can do that. Now the but the thing I will say about Kaziev is he is active and he has a very very varied <laughs> striking game very right? varied like he's, striking game. <laughs> yes he's the, it's, there's elbows there's knees his ground and pound is heavy like it's one of those when when the fists land you hear the thud uh so i think what a great way to say that too like like when his fist lands you hear the thud yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's one of those where he's i mean it, 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 he's not doing a lot he's not like throwing everything into it. He's just heavy handed. Correct. And, you know, we know Biggie boy can fight 25 because he was one second away from losing before he restructured over him's face. But we also know he's a fish out of water on the ground. Just yeah. watch the Almeida fight. Uh, but has that, has that ability to fight for 25 minutes? Cause he does not that we know of, you know, he had one decision and it was, he looked labored by the end of it, shall we say, Uh, but he's a guy who has all of the tools. And I understand Martin Budai is not a world beater, but he had never been stopped. Yeah. And because he stopped him. And and to be honest, one of the things that is striking to me about Rosen strike, that was, (laughs) that, that was unintentional, but like, he's not somebody that, can beat the top of the top of the division because we've yeah. seen him not be able to do it. But I just have this thing, like, 
watching their fights, I'm like, oh, he can definitely beat Kazeev. You know, it, mm-hmm. it, there's no, there's no like, hey, Kazeev's about to go in there and like and put himself above Rosenstruck and put himself in there. It's just like Rosenstruck has lost to Thomas Almeida. He's lost to Volkov. He's lost to Blades. He's lost to Sarah Khan. He's lost to Francis Ghan. He's like, and realistically, jailed J- to Almeida. Yeah, my bad. Um, and Thomas uh, Almeida is yeah, like a band like of 112 pounders. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you lose to him? Um, but. He was losing to Alistair Overeem, and I still, mm-hmm. to this day, was like, they should have gave Overeem that three seconds left just to be like, okay, the fight's not over. But they didn't, uh, and that's what you're not supposed to have that happen. But he just has shown time and time again that when it comes to the top of the heavyweight division, he can't push through. Gazeev's not the top of the heavyweight division. Should Strike be able to win this fight? Absolutely. But it just might be one of these things where, like, Gazeev is, is, is showing in, like, I don't know. I I I know I have a couple more days before I have to pick the this fight, but like there's a bias to going. Like I just don't know if Rosenstrike can show up, and and you see so many of his recent fights, these losses. It's easy to be biased toward it, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I mean obviously he's gonna have puncher's chance, right? Of course, like he's always gonna have that. But gatekeepers exist for a reason. Right. And I say it every time. Like it, that's not a term of disrespect. That is a here is a guy who is better than every heavyweight in the world, except for maybe 10 of them. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> so so it just is what it is. And Gazeev's not ranked. Gazeev has fought what 12 times and he's fought once in the UFC. Mm-hmm. So he is far from proven. This is the fight where we find out. Yes, correct. Because we know what Rosenstrike is. We know he is one of the best in the world, but he is not one of the very best in the world. And so Gazeev is going to show, are you you top 15? Are you a top 10 guy at heavyweight? Or are you just a guy at heavyweight? And and that's the thing. He breaks into top 15 with his fight. If he wins, Gazeev, if he wins. If not, I don't really know what you do with him after that. Yeah, I mean, you're always going to have to have guys. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, the the heavyweight division is not some great division. You know, it's one of the reasons we want to see finishes. Because if you don't... Uh, I want to see 25 minutes of moreno Royval. I want to see 25 minutes of Umar Nurmagomedov versus anybody. Yeah. I would rather see 25 minutes of Urseg Schnell. Yes, or Correct. Perez. Correct. Absolutely. But that's because those skill levels, those skill sets are so incredibly high. Whereas at heavyweight, I, it's not. Like, I want to see some some wild shit, right? Like, that's what we want to see at heavyweight. That's when you really want to see, like, the the violence, right? Yeah. yeah. With, until you get to, if we ever see it, like a John Jones, Tom Aspinall, where it's like, yes, Absolutely. these are elitely yes. skilled guys. Just no disrespect. That's not this fight. But we're going to find out if, if Gazeev has a skill set where he can compete against the top 10 in the division, top 12, or whatever it may be. Uh, so we're going to find out. Correct. At the very least, we're, we're going to find something out in this uh, in this main event. And then we did have uh, not a ton of huge announcements uh, from a ranking standpoint, but some very, very fun announcements. People that we are big fans of on this podcast, uh, we have some announcements. I'll, I'll take the first one just because <laughs> the pride of Clarksville, Tennessee, the pride of Rossview High School, 
Nate, the train land. We are making his return. And it's going to be a fun one because he's taking on Pat Sabatini yeah. in Atlantic City. That's the card that is being headlined by Blanchfield and Fior. Uh, yes, I'll watch Nate fight anybody. I'll watch Sabatini fight anybody. This, I think, speaks to what they think of Nate the train because yes. Diego Lopez was the last person to fight Pat Sabatini. Correct. You know, Nate he came fought Dan Ige. Yes, yeah. yes, he did. <laughs> Diego Lopez did. Yeah. Yes. Nate the Drain fought Danny Gay on a pay per view. Yes. Right. Like they, he is that. And I think that this is going to be absolute fireworks. We've seen Sabatini get put out. Uh, the only thing that puts out Nate the Train is knees. Um, <laughs> so, like, very, very excited for this fight. Always going to uh, support Ross View's finest. Um, and then mentioned it earlier. The April 27th card, Joel Alvarez, who was supposed to be fighting Ludovic Klein on this card, got rebooked, and he's taking on Matosh Rambetsky, who I almost highlighted as my 155-er to watch, even though he's not ranked, just because his style is so incredibly fun to watch. I was super excited to watch Joel Alvarez fight this week, just watching his fights. He's a guy who, one of the wildest stat lines in ever, he has not landed a takedown in the UFC and has only defended one takedown. And that takedown that he defended was basically um, a guy trying to re-go back in for the takedown after he sprawled to his knees. It was uh, Mark Jacasey and uh, Alvarez already had like leverage on him and just sprawled down. That was the one time he did not get taken down. But you wouldn't think it because he has 12 submissions on his records. It is bizarre. He's tall. He's got crazy Muay Thai. And Rambetsky's the exact opposite tank. And the fight goes where he wants it to go. So this is going to be just a fun, fun matchup. They do not have a headliner uh, announced for that card yet. But that is the one that's going to have Karini Silva on it. So very, very excited Ooh, for that. Nice. And then we had two additions to the May 11th fight night. They have not announced a, a headliner for that one yet, but we are getting Baby Shark Tabitha Ricci taking on Tisha Pennington, used to be Tisha Torres, uh, in her return. Just going to be a fun strawweight scrap. Tisha Torres has always been entertaining in her fights. Tabitha Ricci, you can say the same. It's not going to be a fight where Ricci has trouble finding the range uh, like she did in her last fight because they're both like 5-1. So... Should be a fun fight. And then uh, just kind of a you know, a uh, a fighter, you know, just a, a hardcore fan's delight, Absolutely. I'll say, with uh, lightweight bout Michael Johnson and Cornrola, Steamrola, Matt Fravola. You know, Fravola did sniff the top 15 until he ran into Benoit Saint-Denis. Uh, but can you blame this him? Is, yeah, exactly. And this is going to be a fun test for Favola because Michael Johnson, despite an almost 500 record, you know, has has wins over some of the best and has been competitive with some of the best. And Michael Johnson is the epitome of like, come correct or it's going to be a problem for you. Correct. And we saw, you know, Sondadi is now getting his shot at top five. He has looked phenomenal. But we saw Favola get caught slipping. Right, he had his hands down, trying to exit, and got kicked. Yeah, you know, as opposed to having his hands up when he was exiting. So this is going. I'm very interested to see how Frivola uh, rebounds 
from that loss to Saint-Denis, uh, but just a fun, like that's already, regardless of what else they add to this card, high likelihood of being a fight of the night contender. Absolutely. Especially after like Michael Johnson's last fight, like he's really good. I think it was the last, what minute or two where it's felt like he slowed down. Like he kind of, mm-hmm. but like he, he, he's, this is, this is caught the part late. Yeah. This is, <laughs> yeah. This is the first, I mean, this is the perfect matchup for both of these guys right now. This is a great matchup. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. Going to be fun. That, like that's the best way to describe that fight. Fun. Anything else on your end? No thought. All right. As always, appreciate y'all for listening. Love and respect. Later.